For the San Francisco music scene. BFF.FM, best frequencies forever. Hey, welcome back. This is Alan Moskowitz, and you're listening to the Fake Publishing Millionaire's Hour. Ah, anyhow, we've got a wonderful interview tonight with Alex Botkin from Lava Sox Records, from Startle, who's out on tour right now and has a new album, from uh, 924 Gilman, which uh, you may have heard of, uh, you know, through like Green Day. Or like, you know, like Rancid or, you know, you know maybe, maybe you haven't. And this is an opportunity to learn about a cool new venue. Anyhow, thanks for being here. Uh, I'm going to play a little more music right now. Coming up, it's from the new album, Good Times Can't Last by the Plastic Presidents. Before this, that was Evie Echoes. Uh, let's fucking go.
start Lava Socks Records in? Yeah, I started it in 2017. Uh, it was kind of a result of being bored in my college dorm room at the time and wanting to make a, a tape run for this band called Campy and uh, kind of spiraled from there. But yeah, I think probably end of 2017 around then. How many um, albums do you have out now in 2023? Oh, man. Uh, I think that we've, we've announced through 62. Fuck. Yeah. Uh, we have a couple more that are going to be announced pretty soon. But yeah, we're, we're probably going to, by the end of this year, be at about 75, which I, I never expected to happen. 
What was the, uh, uh, how many was that first run for, um, shoot, what was that band's name again? Oh, Campy. Yeah, that was, that was just a run of, I think, 20. It, uh, it was done using my parents' cassette player and doing them just one at a time in real time. And it was as DIY as you could possibly ask for a cassette run and, uh, it's changed a lot since then, but I still love those. And that was that's a band that um, I've done a bunch of stuff with other members from. And I I I I'm just gonna go on a lot of tangents with this, but I love that something with this label that has done is like I've been able to follow a few musicians that I know, friends of mine, kind of through their different bands with it, which has been great. Uh, Campy. The first one was like one of those. They went on to be in Slumped, and they're now at Gill Brothers Band, which I'm going to be working with later. And that's always a fun thing. But, yeah. So, uh, you got into the music game pretty young. How old are you at the moment? I'm currently 26, and I, yeah, so I must have been, God, I started the label. 20-something, 20 20-ish. 20 and, uh, yeah, I, I, I got into music originally probably in, I mean, I've been listening to music my whole life. I started playing music when I was in fifth grade. I was probably about 10 or 11 at that point. Uh, started off playing banjo. I, I listened to a lot of like folk and bluegrass growing up and my friends convinced me that that banjo wasn't the coolest thing if I wanted to be in a band <laughs> and that I they convinced me to change and play bass and so I've been playing bass ever since then and played bass in a ton of bands and kind of through playing music is what has le- uh, kind of leaned me into learning to work with bands on the label side and but you know just started with bands that we would my band sarcasm would play with and just i would think oh i want to put out a tape of theirs or something like that so but um you start you you didn't start it out as like a vanity label particularly for sarcasm it sounds like no yeah um i mean it's interesting with sarcasm how it's the lava socks thing has has been so tied with it in terms of like finding the bands but i've always i've always been so much more interested in using it to work with other musicians that i I've, i don't actually know if i've ever put out anything sarcasm related i did put out a demo tape of a hardcore band i was in called ribs that's, a that's cool name. the only thing I think that I've put in under Lava Socks that I was actually playing on. I th- I like I like making it like a representation in a lot of ways of the music I'm I'm excited by in the local scene, but I, for some reason maybe it just it's always felt weird to self release it that way when I could just self release it as the band and just have it be a separate kind of thing. 
And because you run 924 Gilman, you get to see a lot of different bands come through on the local side, huh? Oh, absolutely. I mean, that's that's been the, the biggest key part of it. Like, without, without Gilman, it would be hard for me to find any bands. And most of the bands I've worked with recently have been, they've emailed Gilman to book or something, and we've brought them on to do a show, and I'll just kind of be sitting there working and watch them and kind of be drawn in suddenly. Uh, Adventure Playground was a good example of that. They're a band that I just put out their album and they were one that I was working at the ticket counter when they were playing and just kind of had to stop and kind of walk into the room and watch them because I was so drawn in with it. I had the same impression uh, at the, the 924 Gilman lot party this weekend. Like the They showed up and, and like the singer just started throwing like a backpack into the air as high as they possibly could. <laughs> yeah. And I, I love that. Like, I mean, their music is great and I'm really, I, I love listening to it, but there's something about that spectacle. Like, especially, yeah, the lot party show was so high energy and fun. And it's hard to not walk away from watching that band just feeling like excited about <laughs> what you saw. They like was were they wearing like a Starbucks uniform the same? It was some, it was some apron or something. I remember, and then they uh, changed into um, he changed into the gold shorts at mm. one point. Yeah, they all they all really like. They come from, I think, some level of uh, like the Berkeley High theater department kind of area uh, and so they they're really naturally good at performance now which is really nice and so they um yeah they just they have such a way to work the crowd that's something that is really rare to see in bands i think lately especially gilman like i hear a lot of really amazing bands but they don't always have kind of the stage presence and energy that you want to see out of something. And so for them, it was just like the perfect combo. Do you, as a musician, uh, rehearse like what it's going to look like to like engage the crowd and like move around? Or do you like, is it a static kind of playing the songs in a room thing? That's a, I've, I think we've tried to work on, that I I definitely learn over time, especially through chores, like parts of songs that seem to be more high energy for the audience, and that probably influences sort of stage presence and things like that. Uh, I try to engage with them as much as I can. I don't know if I've ever practiced or had concepts for something to the degree that like adventure playground has where it's really like almost like this production performance level i think i've always felt the music uh isn't maybe i think the the perfect role for that is what they have with a five piece with a a solo singer Mm. you have someone that's untethered with a cable or you know there's a mic but there's no amp there's no guitar there's nothing to think about with that and you can really kind of explore the space and i think if i if i did that more i I might think about 
about kind of where I where I go, but I've sort of always just I let the music guide me. With the Indica stuff as a solo thing, because automation is such a big thing with the synthesizers, people are always saying stuff like, just let the music performance go, and then just, you know, and then you can do whatever, do whatever kind of spectacle thing. And it's an interesting part of the conversation, because a lot of people that do play, like, synthwave stuff, for instance, like, because they can set everything to, like, you know, stand, not standby, that's, that's you know, uh, but they can get it onto autopilot um, and doesn't just go into the front it becomes a different part of the conversation. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think, um, it, it definitely brings up like, I've, I've been getting into like DJing more and doing more like kind of vinyl nights at bars and things like that. And for me, that, that brings up more of that feeling of like getting sort of the people there feeling like there's an energy to it. But I think, I think it's hard when, and I'm sure you felt this way with like Indica of there is that moment of like, you're kind of relaxing into a routine or something like that, even with like, you know, stringed instrument performance stuff. But there's definitely always the kind of keeping, keeping yourself ready in case something weird happens or something. Cause if I've, you know, if I've learned anything, it's be, be prepared for some weird thing to happen, especially at Gilman, like, Oh God, <laughs> be thrown on stage or some horrible thing happened and you have to, you have to just be ready for anything. And, but yeah, I've, I've always, I've always wanted to kind of, maybe this will be the year that my new band Startle will work on like some synchronized dance moves or something. Ooh. That would be cool. Startle would be a perfect band for that. Y'all yeah. have like, uh, cause you're a four piece, correct? Mm-hmm. All right. Cause you can get some box formations in the front with that, you know? Exactly. We could do like, I don't know, maybe do like a mini pyramid on a stage during one song or something. I imagine if somebody at the bottom still playing a riff. That'd be ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> we, uh, um, I like to, at Sad Snack Practice, do surprise jazz version because everything's an upstroke. And if you just hit it with, like, you know, a swing beat, and then, like, Sean's very good at picking up bass riffs. So we, that's been the fuck around lately is, like, surprise, it's a different genre. So they that's never, great. they don't make it to the stage largely because the sky itself is a mitzvah, but, like, you know, they're, they're there. Mm-hmm. We, we and Sarcasm back in like 2013 or 2014 would learn a bunch of covers, like random stuff, just like my generation. <laughs> and we would learn them in practice and then it would be when the set was done, if we felt like there was more time left, someone could just start it without warning <laughs> and just hope everybody was ready to start going with it. And that, that was something I, I kind of missed getting out of. Uh, but that was fun to keep ourselves sort of a little on edge, not in a bad way, but just keep us focused and suddenly surprise ourselves with something fun like that. Always kept ourselves a little more, a little more silly. And we've done at practice, we'll do like riffs on the DuckTales theme or something Ooh. like that stuff that, yeah, also would never make it to the stage, but just this back catalog of random I will say one thing because there's no other context to bring this up, but um, 
I had like a, a, a fucking beautiful mind conspiracy board moment in like 2014 when I was like, why is Shake It Off so familiar? And I realized it is the DuckTales theme, like hands down. It's the same chords. They're in just like a slightly different order, but the melodies are all the same that go over the chords. It's not like, you know, it's a very catchy song, either which way you play it. But I definitely like yeah. called somebody up at like... Like earlier in the morning that I showed him and was like, I cracked the code, you know, I was very stoned and I was like, that's it. You know, um, uh, fucking sarcasm had a ton of covers, uh, secret or otherwise though. Yeah, we, we did a lot of covers. We, uh, I think it was something just starting a band when you're so young, you kind of default to that because songwriting at that point can take longer be non-existent or what have you but we yeah we've done i think nearly every album cycle would result in a cover and for us the perfect thing for like a compilation or something like that someone was doing something for charity or something was to do a cover because we all also came from the world of like summer rock band camp stuff like mateo and i met originally about four or five months before sarcasm formed by doing this um, summer camp called Bear Works, which is in uh, Oakland. And it's kind of gets together kids to play little, like little sets, like five or six songs of covers. And so the first things that Mateo and I ever learned, even before making the connection again later and doing sarcasm was learning like smells like teen spirit and, we learned a Rush song and we learned a couple other things. I think it just always felt like a good break from the practicing our stuff. And it always got a good audience reception, especially as we later toured and became uh, a band in their kind of mid teens that was having to play a bar and then immediately go sit outside and sell merch because we couldn't stay inside the bar after we played and it always felt like oh well if we play a cover or something we might win them over a little bit more because we're so young and it it might make us a little more in touch with kind of the older bar scene but yeah we've we've done and and at fest in florida every year we've always done a cover set because it's something so cool to be able to say like here's a band that means a lot to me and you're playing it to a, a, a crowd of people that also it means a lot to them clearly. And it's, it's this weird, almost, you feel like you're suddenly stepping into the shoes of the band because the, you get the audience response. It's like, wow, it feels like there's something like that. So I think, I think it's just, it's hard to, hard to not have fun with them. And so we, yeah, we probably did like, 20 or something recorded covers over the course of the band. You know that part on NPR when they're like, now we come to the time where we ask you to donate? Well, this is like that, but short. Donate at bff.fm slash donate today. All right, here's some stuff from Alex's new band, Startle. It's been many years later. I was hiding all along Cause I knew that I was safer Being back where I belong 
your sorrows in check Can you keep holding on until you forget? Foot Ox coming at you from Lava Socks Records. Fake Publishing Millionaires Hour. We've got Alex Botkin on the show today talking about uh, his old band Sarcasm, who you may have heard of, out on Asian Man Records. Go check their stuff out. Uh, talking about Startle, his current band that just dropped a new album and, uh, you know, is out on tour, doing a big old national tour as we speak. Go check it out. See if it's in your city. Uh, additionally, we're talking about Lava Sox Records, the uh, record label that uh, Alex started that's put out a whopping number of tapes, uh, 60-something, if I'm not mistaken, in the last uh, five years or so. That's 60 different freaking albums. Uh, anyhow, so we're going to get back to this interview that we did by phone at my other studio. And um, yeah, feel free to look all this stuff up, follow all of these things on social media, and stay in touch. Additionally, Alex runs 924 Gilman. The legendary rock venue. Anywho. What are some upcoming releases that Lava Socks is doing? 
Yeah, so I'm working right now with uh, this artist, folk, uh, it's a folk punk, more folk adjacent um, artist named Foot Ox. We're doing the brand new, and uh, it's funny, I, I say we're, like, we, I use we a lot in the post, like, we're super excited, and I get emails sometimes that seem like they're writing to, like, a team, and I always have to reply to the lava socks, like, no, it's, it's just me, no one else, um, but I use, I use a word, we are, to seem more kind of mysterious, maybe, but Lava Socks is releasing this album by Footox called Judy and the Sun. Uh, it comes out June 7th, I believe. Um, it's really, I'm getting more into the, the side of trying to work with newer bands and do a few things. I've done a lot of reissues in the past and I'm still doing a couple of those, but we're going to be doing, and this is, this is the an unannounced thing that I'll say here is we're doing another reissue for foot Ox of an album that came out oh god a while ago called it's like our little machine um and so doing a couple albums with foot Ox, those should be coming out this year i'm doing a like roses seven inch that's coming out in mid this year and then i'm working with a new band called present that i haven't announced that quite yet but um that should be coming out hopefully in August. And then I'm always kind of looking towards what the next few things are going to be. There will definitely be another cover compilation because that last one was great. One was so fun. Um, I actually played with foot ox at a Gilman show. And that was one where the electricity was bugging. Oh, right. Yeah. I, I thought all my synthesizers had, like, because one of them got jacked up doing a video shoot where I used a bunch of uh, birthday cake powder as fake Coke, and it just, like, gunked up everything. So I was like, well, I wouldn't be shocked if everything else just started to go. But it, like, I, I drove home and plugged everything in after, like, we got everything set up on stage <laughs> and all wired in, and it just, there was there was no sound, there was no nothing. Uh yeah. Well, I'm glad. I'm glad it worked later. <laughs> my my favorite is uh, Adam from Omnigon. Like whenever he's having a tech problem, will be like, "Fuck it, we're just gonna keep going." And that's like the most amazing lead singer thing I, I've like. Yeah. You've seen this a couple times too, right? Yeah, and there was. I remember at at Fest in twenty. I guess that was twenty twenty one's Fest. Uh, Omnigon was playing on an outdoor stage and there were some, some PA problems that were going on and it was exactly that, just like go through it as much as possible. And I think, I mean, I think that's the most kind of going back to what we were talking about at the beginning about like performance people and like being able to kind of put on a good show. I think that's the most critical thing is like being able to like push through despite stuff yep that keeps the audience so much more engaged because like it's okay if there's problems but like i've i've played in some bands where the solution has always been to stop and then that creates the weird thing of like the audience doesn't know how to react because suddenly it's quiet and suddenly no one knows what to do um that can be like something that 
I mean, given like the touring DIY circuits, you get really used to the idea of like basement PAs that are really like, oh, we have, we have a mic somewhere or something and kind of just adapting to that sort of thing. Definitely dirty electricity is something you don't think about till you start playing like enough DIY venues and realize some places are wired so bad it's going to hum like fucking crazy no matter what you do about it. Yeah, there was this there was this uh, like one house that we would play occasionally. I think in Oakland that was like that of it it clearly just had never it was, you know, from the early 1900s and had never been retrofitted and you get that like playing a venue where you touch the mic and then you'll get shocked because the amp is on the same circuit and going through all that. There's all those, those fun little, little bonuses that kind of, I guess, keep you alive in the DIY tour. <laughs> keep that feeling. Yeah. You've just driven like 10 hours and you get to like some venue and it's like the town has way less people than you expected. And there's like 15 people there and the electricity's bad and the microphone's shocking you. (laughs) That's definitely the experience like for anybody that's ever curious. Um, Tell me about the upcoming startle tour that you got going on. Yeah. So we're playing many instruments like that. Um, No, we're, we're, it's been a long time since I've done a full U.S. tour, and we're going, like, kind of looping down through the southwest, through Texas, down to Florida, up the west, uh, up the east coast, hovering around kind of the Midwest, Chicago area for a few days, and then going back through the Pacific Northwest and it's something that we did as sarcasm back in 20, 2019. And that was the last time I've done it. And it's, it'll be interesting because sarcasm was never hugely famous in any sense, but going on a big tour like this with we're about to put out an EP finally. We have like a very short three song demo that we put out a few months ago, but we're putting out uh, the first like startle EP that we did at district uh, I think next week. Oh fuck. Yeah. So we're going to be going on a tour basically <laughs> promoting something that came out like two weeks ago. And it'll, it'll be really interesting because we've been pretty sparse about using sarcasm like to promote this new band because i i like sarcasm being what it was and this being something new i'm sure we'll do like one post like we're heading out there but i've never i it, it feels like i'm back being you know 14 the first time sarcasm was touring almost and just like wow, this will be really interesting seeing how it goes, really relying on kind of just luck and hoping the shows go well. And but I think it'll be really fun. We're touring with Sweet Gloom, which is a band that I've done a ton with, and I love all the people that are in that band. And I think, if anything, we'll just treat it like a vacation that we get to play shows during and hopefully start establishing ourselves. And then once we're back, I think we'll feel more like we can go from there and 
music and stuff. And it, it's been funny playing. Startle's now been a band for almost six months and finally putting out the first release. And I think once that out, that's out, it'll feel a little bit more real. I think I'm, I'm still, I'm still feeling like this tour is kind of, it's very close, but it still feels very far away in a lot of senses, but I've never played Chicago and I've never played a bunch of these other places. And so it's, it's going to be really fun to get to do that no matter what. Being a band for only six months and putting out like an EP is a great track record. Like, or a single or a demos and an EP. I mean, like, yeah, you know, everything moves very fast in the world these days, but realistically, like how, what was your, how many releases did you have a year with sarcasm in the time that you were a band? Like, that's true. I think it, it probably felt with sarcasm, we were so, at least not, not in terms of putting out stuff. We probably did one thing a year, but we, I think behind the scenes were constantly writing and working on things with sarcasm, just that there was so much with three of us writing and especially during like 2020 to 2022, I think because we were all at home, the three of us were writing so much that we were developing so much more songs quicker than we could put them out. Um, I think my goal, my goal would be to put this EP out and then hopefully have an album done kind of early spring next year. Cause I've, I'm, I don't want to rush anything, but I also, you know, I, I, I like bands that put effort into kind of keeping the audience engaged. And like, I think Sad Snack's a great example of this too, of like, y'all put out the tape and then you put out another single and you've been good about like, you know, it's about reminding like, oh, we're still, we're still doing cool, creative stuff. We've got uh, another single coming up. And this is the first and the, but I mean, like, it's like not top secret, you know, like the, for the, for the seven people that listen to the show, uh, eight, maybe, I don't know. There's no way to gauge this. I, I don't look at the, the metrics for this one at all, but for the yeah. small amount of people, you now know there's a new startle and sad snack stuff coming. So surprise. Um, Perfect. <laughs> I hope there's more people than that listening, but there's, there's no way to tell. Engage us on social media and let us know if you're listening to this wonderful interview. And then spoil a surprise for your friends, you know? Like, hey, do you hear, you hear about those two bands with the S names? Startle, Sad Snack? They're fucking putting out music. Oh, man. The S name thing. There's so many. And I find it it's so funny to me that just naturally Stevie and I came upon another S name. Yeah, that's true. Because sarcasm, I, I hadn't even thought about that. We had yeah, a, just oh sorry. Totally we're uh, we're touring through um, with Simple Minded Symphony, another S name band, and like uh, one of the other bands we're playing with in Tacoma put together a mock up flyer that had all the S's in the band names uh, kind of highlighted, and then like a little cartoon snake. Um, and we wound up with a super cool flyer from Los Ocupados's drummers, like fifth high school class. I actually have no idea how old they are, um, but the the snake flyer sits in my memory rent free forever. I That's great. I, lo- I love that. I there was this venue called VLHS 
in Pomona that would do that. Like every show would have this big kind of sandwich board outside that would just riff on the band name. <laughs> that's I think good. that's, I, guess, I totally get like the band name sometimes being very serious, but I think I love venues that can kind of take it and poke fun at it. And Gilman has done that before. We've, my favorite thing is occasionally we've hid like Green Day or something. Wire <laughs> like very tiny light opacity, like 10%. So it's barely visible, but it's there somewhere just to see if anybody puts the effort into noticing. But I think, yeah, it's, I love those, the flyers that can kind of be a little goofy for the show. How often do Green Day actually show up at the shows as like guests? It's, there's been a couple, not that they've shown up, but there was one show that we did that was a tribute to the Dookie album when that release came out. And we had all the bands on the comp play. And that, I think, was the f- main one that I look back and people showed up expecting Green Day. To play. <laughs> oh, Another, there was a tribute night in actually the one of the very first this year sucks. I think the second one was a tribute night that it was bands covering Green Day, Cherm Jet, and the Dead Milkmen. And it was billed as Green Day opening, like the tribute, Dead Milkmen tribute, and then Joan Jet tribute headlining. And I, people showed up thinking that lineup was real. <laughs> Explain like well, the biggest problem is like, Green Day at Kilman would not be opening for <laughs> Dead Milkmen, and people walking in asking if Green Day was going to play during the Green Day cover set and having to point them and say, "Well, it's it's as close as you're going to get. It's right there. It's five dollars." <laughs> it's the cheapest Green Day show you're going to wind up that exactly. night. Yeah. Do you interact with them? Uh, Green Day, I, who who is on the 924 Gilman, like, who who of the musicians that you work with at the foundation, um, I don't know how to ask that question well, but I think you know what I mean. Yeah, so the main people that <clears throat> run it are, I mean, I do a lot of the, the day-to-day operations with booking and coordinating. Uh, Lexi and Scout and Stevie are a few of the others that are very key in sound and um, kind of coordinating everything. And then Jeff Armstrong and uh, his wife Alexis are our kind of chief operating officer and chief financial officers. And they're the ones that kind of make sure like the bills get paid, the taxes are done, everything that's sort of the more long-term intense projects are fulfilled and making sure the building kind of stays open and any permitting and stuff is gone through them. The more logistical things, uh, that's We have a fundraising team that has a few people, but it's pretty small overall. And the, the amount of interaction from the bands that have come from there is, is surprisingly small. I think we we try to rely on ourselves as much as possible to make it that it's truly like run by the shows and run by the Gilman staff. I know that in the event something was dire, I'm sure 
friends that have come from there would help us. Uh, but I think in a lot of ways, like we prefer waiting for that moment over engaging with them cons- consistently for fundraising or things like we're, you know, getting their in- involvement. Cause I also, I, I love green day and I love what green day has done for the scene, but I, I also understand the, the mentality that some people have. And I've felt this way as a booker of, there's so many amazing new bands now that I love Gilman, especially now it's really starting to be focused on kind of the current scene and gaining its own like identity in a lot of ways. And, and, you know, Green Day always is going to be parts of that rancid mob Ivy and stuff like that. But it, it's cool to see kids showing up that weirdly it's not Green Day for them. Maybe it's AFI now, or maybe it's some of the later power violence bands, or maybe, you know, something like that. Like, as kids are, are younger that are showing up, the, the influence is sort of shifting, which is really, really interesting and cool to see kind of what, what the legacy bands for them are now. to the world. This is BFF.FM.
And there's Alan Moskowitz from the Fake Publishing Millionaire's Hour. Thank you so fucking much for being here. Gonna play you out with some more good-ass new ska music. Here's Professor Galactico, which uh, my ska band, Sad Snack, will be playing with on June 11th in L.A. Go social media that shit. Go find out about it. Tan fácil que es enamorarme y tan difícil olvidarte Porque en la vida me juraste y hoy te busco y tú no estás Aunque me duela ver tu foto, eterno mi corazón roto Por si mañana te vuelvo a encontrar Ya no sé disimular, llamo y no te puedo hablar Toda la vida 